Our Old Testament lesson comes from a little bit of a surprising place. But I invite you to remember last year, as we spent many, many weeks in the book of Exodus, kind of laying a, a groundwork, kind of preparing our hearts for the truths that we've been exploring even this Christmas season. But I wanted to remind you of an amazing um, event that happened uh, as Moses cried out for his people, even as we have been crying out for one another in the midst of this COVID crisis, Moses cried out for his people that God would grant him insight and knowledge and strength to be able to lead these people. And But, but Moses, even as he was crying out, began to realize the importance of the presence of God with him at every moment of his life. And, and picking up uh, in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 33, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, God, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, God, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. In that, in that beautiful, if you're not going to go with us, God, don't let us take a step. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not with your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Would you just look at that line one more time? This very thing that you have asked, beloved, I will do for you, for you, yes, you, have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Look what Moses said in response. Please, please, God. Moses put into words the thing that we have yearned for and longed for. From that moment we were conceived in our mother's womb, show me your glory the very word of God. Mm, thank you, God. This morning's reading comes from the first book of John, 1 through 14. Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Linda. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, we come to the last Sunday in uh, the year 2020. And I am just marveling again at how different this year uh, turned out to be. I shared with you a few weeks ago that I had seen that, that meme that just, to me, spoke of this year, right? The meme said, I'm going to stay up on New Year's Eve, not so much to welcome in the new year, but to make sure that this one leaves, right? Make sure that this one leaves. Um, this has been um, one of the more challenging, well, in many ways, the most challenging year of the six decades that I've been privileged to walk the earth. And I know that for many of you, it was even more challenging than I or even my family experience. And, and I found myself getting a little bit cynical um, at, at different times. I found myself um, uh, looking at the glass as half empty, right? As even kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, expecting the next thing. It's not without warrant, because it seemed like every time I would make a plan, um, then something would happen just before that plan, and everything would be turned upside down. I can't tell you, it's such a joy to have um, my entire family with us this Christmas. But we've been trying for the last three months to do that. And, and sometimes even when they're in the car on the way down here, we would become aware that there was a circumstance that had changed, and didn't make it possible. Do you find yourself um, uh, pressed to see the cup as half full rather than half empty? I think they say a pessimist is one who sees the cup as half empty. Uh, an optimist is one who sees the cup as half full. But on this last Sunday of of the Advent season, as we prepare for the first now of Christmas tide, I want to invite you not to be a pessimist or even an optimist, but to be a psalmist, to be one whose heart writes love letters to God. Because one psalmist in particular didn't say, my cup is half full, did he? 
He didn't say my cup is half empty. He said, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. If we were to continue our reading that Miranda just started us in, John, by the way, how did you do on memorizing John 1, 1 through 14? There's no condemnation. Um, but, but were you able to memorize at least portions of that? Um, uh, I found myself blessed to recommit it. I memorized it several years ago, but recommit it to memory. And I found myself, in the last, uh, last thought of my evening, uh, just before I fell asleep, to be able to, to bring out the treasure of God's word from my heart and, and say, John 1, 1 through 14, to set my whole night's sleep cycle for me. And I woke up singing praises to God instead. But she ended our scriptures day with these words, and the word became flesh. The, the Summa Theologica, right? The, the high point of our journey. The word which we have, we have studied all Advent season long became flesh. God became human and dwelt among us. And, but he continued, right? He said, we have seen his glory. The very thing that Moses cried out for, the very thing that Moses longed for, John says, we have seen. But a couple of verses later, in verse 16, he says these words, for from his fullness, for from the overflow of Christ, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And he's quoting Exodus 33 here. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side He has made him known. Wow. As we close out our study of first, or excuse me, of John chapter one, um, this Advent season, I want to just invite you one last time to think with me about what we have in Jesus. I don't know what um, gifts you might have received um, this Christmas. I got a lot of very familiar gifts, including um, my greatest um, prayer that um, the drugstore would not run out of the dark chocolate oranges, right? Um, and in my um, in my stocking was a dark chocolate orange. I'm I'm guarding it with my life. I had I had some amazing amazing. Gifts. My favorites are always the ones that are that are gifts made out of someone's heart. Does that make sense? So, uh, we had a gift of a picture of Lily and Coco, the two dogs we lost last year, um, hand drawn by um, Katie Johnson. Uh, now she's married, but uh, Kim and Doug's daughter. Uh, what a precious gift, right? But the greatest gift that any of us could receive, even if we've walked with Jesus for for decades, the greatest gift was, is Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to remind you today of some of the truths of this gift 
what we have been given in Jesus. Some of them are obvious and many of us are used to them. I never want to take that for granted because as we've seen this last year that all around us are people who have heard these truths maybe their entire life. Around us are people who have grown up in in homes where the gospel was never presented and have never heard these truths. And, And this year we've had a chance even in the midst of COVID to see people move from death to life to see people for the first time be able to understand it, to be able to see the abject joy that overwhelms someone. Their spirit comes alive. And in Jesus, John is telling us this word that was before all time, this word that was existing separate from God and yet at the very same time with God, this this word as we've seen that, that created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, this this word has been made flesh and dwells among us. The the literal word there is, is set up a tent, right? Set up a tent. I don't know if it overwhelmed me when I was watching um, Christmas Vacation again, uh, but do you remember when that weird uncle shows up in a motorhome, right? It's one thing to have a relationship with someone. It's another thing when they set up in your driveway, right? That's a very, very loose translation of John chapter 1. But Jesus Christ has set up in our driveway. He is his tabernacle. He has tempted. He has made his home with us. And that is astounding news. That everything from from Adam's expulsion from the garden until this day, everything that we long for is true in Jesus Christ. The word has become made flesh. Isaiah's prophecy has been fulfilled. God is with us. Emmanuel. But we also learn today that in Jesus... God is made known, right? Moses longed to know God, right? And, and, and to, to be um, obeying God out of this, this inner uh, relationship of, of body, soul, and spirit with God. And Moses was not granted that. But we have been. We have been. No one has ever seen God. John echoes the dilemma of Exodus 33. But the only God who is at the Father's side, lest we have any confusion about Trinity, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. I want to remind you of the progression of how God revealed himself. In Exodus chapter 3, at the beginning of the the deliverance of God's people, God made him known. Do you remember Moses' question? So so many months ago now from our study, but still fresh in our minds, Moses, Moses cries out, who shall I say sent me? You want me to just show up and tell them I'm their deliverer? Who should I say sent me? And God revealed to Moses, to the people of God, and to you and me, his name. Right? His name. Tell them, I am has sent you. 
And then we began to call God, I am that I am, right? I am before and present and in the future. Tell them, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting sent you, right? We learn the name of God. But in Exodus 33, then Moses cries out, Show me your glory, God. I want to I see your glory. And, and God responds. He says, no one can see my face and live. But I will, I will let my goodness pass before you. And they put him in the cleft of the rock, right? It reminds us of a lot of old hymns. And he covered the cleft with his hands. And the goodness of God passed before Moses. That's why our modern worship song, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now we've moved beyond just the nature and character of God, but to the place where the nature and character of God interacts with the world. We not only have the name of God, but we have the goodness of God. Through Moses' question in Exodus 33, do you see what's happening here in John now the very prologue of the whole gospel of John we have access not only to the name of God not only to the goodness of God but we have access now for the very first time to the glory of God to the glory of God the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. It's tempting, right, to say, well, how did they see his glory? And, and theologians will speculate. They, they will say, well, maybe he's referring to, uh, to the transfiguration when Jesus appeared in his glorified, his resurrected form. Do you remember? With Moses, the, the giver of the law, and, and Elisha representing all the prophets of God. He appeared in his glorified state to Peter, James, and John. And, and maybe, maybe that's what he meant, right? Maybe that's what he said. We have seen his glory. But it's important for you and me as well. And the importance is in his incarnation. But I'm going to suggest to you that the glory of Christ is, is not only in the preview of his resurrected state, but in seeing the expression of God in his life. And John gives us two clues about what that looks like. He says, John says, um, we have, we have, um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and truth, full of grace and truth. I'd like you to just think with me briefly for a moment, and then I'm going to let you reflect on this throughout your week here. But Moses brought the law, right? And Paul tells us that the purpose of the law is to help us understand how great our need is for God, right? The purpose of the law is to point out our inability to 
meet the righteous standards of God. There are none righteous, Paul says in Romans chapter 3. No, not one. The purpose of the law is to point out our inability to, to keep it. I'm not going to name names, but someone was confessing to me just this morning the same sin that I experience on a regular basis. The law says that the speed limit on the Lloyd Expressway is 50 miles an hour. Now, what is, no, the law didn't say that. The truth, do you see, Chad? The truth is, oh, man, I'm hanging myself out to dry. 5-0, How did, um, if you're watching Mike, uh, Mike Dawes once shared with me, um, Mike was a former deputy sheriff. He said, eight is fine, nine, you're mine. Right? Um, uh, eight miles over the speed limit is fine. I think he was talking about the open road. I don't think he was talking about a school zone. What was he What was he saying? Have you noticed that, by the way, in this COVID thing, when the police are a little more reticent to pull you over, that, um, that everybody's going crazy? They're driving through stoplights. They're going 65 miles an hour down the Lloyd. Um, the truth is you could go faster, right? But the truth is also that you can't restrain yourself. Until the Lord comes again, we are vulnerable to sin. Moses brought the law, but Jesus Jesus brought the truth. And and you're thinking, well, wow, great up, uplifting message today, Pastor Dale, right? But I'm he brought more than just truth. The truth is, how did how did um, Tim Keller put it? I saw it first. I think in his in his book on marriage, he said the truth is that we are more sinful than we could have ever believed. That's the truth. The truth is that it's not possible by our own righteousness to somehow earn God's favor. That's the truth, right? But but John said he was not just full of truth, didn't he? He said, but also grace, right? And here's what the law could not do, right? The law could only point out what the standard was. It could not help us either attain the standard or forgive us if we broke the standard. But in Jesus, in Jesus, we have both truth and grace. Have you ever met someone, or maybe this describes you, who is heavy on the grace side, right? And you keep thinking that if I just reach out in grace, then, then um, my children or my coworker or my boss, then they will eventually come around, Right? And you extend grace, and you extend grace, and you extend grace, and and they never come around. Um, At some point, truth has to be known, right? At some point, we have to love someone enough. And I I have to confess, this is, I, I struggle with this. I live too much on the grace side. And, and not enough on the truth. And so people that I have loved and cared for for decades still stumble and fall 
because they could not embrace the truth. But have you ever met someone who is all truth and no grace? My knuckles just hurt a little bit um, from that ruler, right? Um, we've all known people that were, and, and they were they were so confident in their understanding of the truth, and they wielded truth like a weapon, right? And and many people were wounded and bloodied for it, and 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 they never offered the gift of grace that Jesus offers, and so as a result. Um, Little by little, people just left them. Because people need not only the truth which can transform, but they need the grace to know that they are loved and accepted. The end of Tim Keller's quote is, we are more sinful than we could ever have believed, and yet at the very same time, more loved than we could have ever hoped for. And what does love do? It overcomes, doesn't it? It overcomes a multitude of transgressions. So, so it, God has given us this great gift of the name of God that we can, we can speak to the living God by his personal name. Yahweh, I am that I am. We have been given this amazing revelation of the goodness of God that that not only is he in his very nature good, but that good can come to us in the actions of God toward us. The great news of John 1.14 is that now we also have been given access to the glory of God. To the glory of God. And that changes everything. Now we have access to truth. And you can boldly, boldly, standing on the word of God, speak into a culture that so desperately needs the truth. Not because you have some special insight, not because you have some greater intellect, but only because you have accepted what God has said is true. Because truth is living in you. You can proclaim truth. There is no other salvation except through Jesus Christ. There's no other way we can be saved. And also through Jesus Christ, you can offer overflowing grace, overflowing grace to those like yourself, like me, who cannot live up to God's standard. Remember that justice is getting what you deserve. And mercy is God is merciful and invites us to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace is before anyone is ever aware of getting what you don't deserve. A living, a loving relationship with the living God. So in Jesus we have the word become flesh in Jesus. God is made known. Remember last week? Remember last week? He was in the world, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own received him not, right? But to everyone 
who did receive him, and he explains what that means, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God in Jesus Christ. We have God made known his name, his goodness, even his glory. I love this last couple of words of John chapter 1, the prologue of the Gospel of John. For from his fullness, from the overflow of Christ, we have all received grace upon grace. In Jesus, not only is God made known, but the blessing of God overflows. Grace upon grace. Is there anyone who needs grace today? I do. Is there anyone as they anticipate this coming year knows that they need the grace of God to restore what has been separated, what has been broken? It might be relationships. It might be it might be your whole business. It might, it might be everything that you thought was important. In Jesus, we receive the blessing of God, grace upon grace. So I charge you, let's begin this new year. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Let's begin this new year with a clean slate. Let's begin this new year with a commitment to being the vessel of God which overflows with his grace and his glory and his truth to everyone around us. Let's commit to seeing 2021 being the year where Christ is made known through us. Pray with me, would you? Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for revealing your very nature and heart to us. Thank you for, for reaching into our darkness with the light of Christ and igniting a flame that, that's going to burn brightly in the years and should you tarry the decades to come. Thank you especially for giving us the gift of your presence. May your presence result in overflowing mercy, grace, truth, and joy this holy season. God will give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in Christ.